0: You're listening to the ESO Network, your station
1: for all things geek. Hello. Please let me see your ticket stubs for the double-edged double bill. This week, video game movies get a brain scan, dragon power-up. Adam Thomas and Thomas Mariani come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double feature. Then, both will have to pick a number between 1 and 10 order to seal their fates for the next episode. One will have two good movies, the other two bad ones. Let the chaos begin. And I am Adam Thomas. Mwah! And I am Thomas Mariani here to give you the latest disc to play, Adam. Let me, for some reason, sloppily drink milk a lot.
0: Oh, and and be a very um, tired teenager. Just look like the most tired teenager
1: of all. (laughs) Still Uh, does, too.
0: Yes, Uh, but welcome to the Double Edge Double Bill, everybody. We're we're both here to talk about, as we usually do, a good and a bad feature we picked at the end of our last episode. We're going back to a world of video game-inspired movies. Uh, We call this uh, Video Game Inspired Movies 2 Turbo HD Remix
1: platinum x edition <laughs> yes that's true One of many
0: we'll release several different versions of this particular episode <laughs> yeah. um and we're, which we're doing our mortal Kombat. which when we scheduled this was supposed to come out in about two weeks now it's more like three uh-huh. weeks as of yesterday <laughs> a lot of people said the reason was hbo max wanting it to be a month after the snyder cut more than a month So that someone had to pay two months if they want Mortal Kombat, which is kind of ingenious. And I wouldn't be surprised as, like, the way going forward with, like, some of these bigger streaming releases.
1: I'm still not convinced that it's also not being used to sort of button up some of the visual effects as well. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little bit of both. Maybe because they wanted to push it back a week, that gives them a little more time. Because from what I've seen from those trailers, some of those visual effects are uh, pretty rough, pretty rough. Goro, I'm looking at you.
0: Sort of wonky special effects aren't something that the Mortal Kombat movies are unfamiliar with necessarily. The live-action ones That's that that's true come about. Yes, yeah, that's true.
1: Especially, uh, especially part two or right. Annihilation. I apologize, Annihilation.
0: You, you call it by its God-given Christian name, sir.
1: You're right. Right, how dare I?
0: But yeah, so we're talking about with video game inspired movies. We emphasize, as we did the last time we did this about two years ago, that with video game inspired movies, it is movies not just adapted directly from video games, but also ones that um, have been inspired by sort of the concept of video games. Obviously, with the video game movies, it's tough because uh, not a lot of good ones, maybe almost zero good ones, right? That are adapted directly from video games.
1: Yeah, uh, to be honest, even sitting here, and this is the topic of the night, and I I don't think I can name one that's really sort of spectacular. Um, There's some that are kind of meandering, some that are passable, but I can't think of one that's like really good.
0: The one that I keep hearing about is genuinely good, that's directly adapted, I just haven't seen, is the Takashi Miike directed Phoenix Wright movie. I've heard it's great.
1: Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that one either. But, yeah, I wouldn't mind maybe checking that out. That sounds...
0: Takashi Miki and also... Objection! Objection! (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, like with the video game inspired thing, there have been plenty of movies that have adapted stuff from video games and done fun things with them as back as something like Tron, even, which just predates this a bit, our two movies today.
1: Or your good choice on the last time, Scott Pilgrim. Right. Perfectly fits the bill. Yep.
0: Or, or even, we, we did that episode around the time of Detective Pikachu, which I'd argue is one of the better ones.
1: Oh, that's true. You know, I didn't even think of that one. That one's super cute. But again, that's based on, that doesn't come straight from a video game.
0: No, well, Detective Pikachu is a straight-up video game in Japan.
1: Oh, uh, well then, I guess fuck me, huh?
0: Though I'm not sure how closely adapted it is necessarily, but just the idea of Pikachu as a detective with the hat is a thing. That's about it. <laughs> the
1: oh. of it. Well, that's about all I knew. Well, that sounds great. I think. I don't know. i have not into
0: the... I wouldn't mind playing that. That sounds like fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm not really a pokey man. Get it? Get it?
0: That's true, because that, that's a very important thing, especially with video games, is that we kind of grew up at different eras where, like, you know, to be fair, with most things, like, we have a lot of, like, commonalities in our interests in movies in particular, but video games, like, given... Especially the fact that video games aren't preserved that well, um, a difference right. of, like, you know, nine years like between us is like a goal for video game systems
1: yeah right yeah basically you got to figure my big system like was like the groundbreaking system was the ps1 the one that changed everything that's the one if not even that before it was dreamcast like when they were first on discs discs and of course there was sega CD and shit like that but you know yours is what probably what ps2 basically
0: I would say probably the first like Xbox was around the time of the ps2 right yes
1: yeah, yeah I right would say, the same time.
0: yeah I would say like the, the game system at least remember playing the most were more like the 360 and then um even like the PlayStation 3 that was when I was like at peak video game conception I would say even though I had the 360 I, I would like switch around systems because my first ever system was a hand-me-down Sega Genesis. And then I went to Nintendo 64, which I played the shit out of, like, the 12 or so games I had. I played the shit out of. Um, and then PlayStation 2 and 360, and then the PlayStation 4, which I currently have.
1: Right, that's all I got, too, is the PlayStation 4.
0: And that's enough for
1: me. I, 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 it's not that I don't necessarily upgrade to the next-gen systems. It's just I barely play my PlayStation 4 as it is, so I can't really justify the expense.
0: I wait until, like, my systems die to do
1: that. Yeah, that's basically what I'm going to do too. Uh, actually, no, that's 100% what I did. My PlayStation Three shit the bed, so I bought a PlayStation Four. Right, and
0: plus, like, so. I wasn't going to buy a five like on launch. It's like, oh, that looks cool, but I'm not going to spend much money now. I'm going to wait till it's around like three hundred and fifty dollars or so in like a couple of years
1: yeah right I, I agreed agreed
0: uh with the video game inspired movies element of it we haven't even talked about much about some of the interesting ones that do fun things with like the actual gameplay into integrating into cinema because i think that's the bigger innovation as of recent in particular is back in the day like when video games were more of a thing and like the when they started becoming a bigger thing in the 90s critics constantly kind of like roger ebert famously was very like video games aren't art they don't, should invade my cinema, and movies that feel stodgy and familiar, action movies, tend to feel like video games, to quote him. But I think it hasn't been a problem seeing, like, that kind of thing integrate more into movies, as especially movies kind of upgrade to the level of being able to do, like, the big elaborate action scenes you see in video games. I don't think that's a problem, necessarily, cinematically.
1: No, I, I don't either. Is Roger Ebert such the elitist.
0: Look out. shut up roger <laughs> i loved ebert but also he had plenty of things just like oh you're very old man kids get off my lawn kind of things like that
1: oh 100
0: 100 even especially with horror movies that was his big thing but now adam we gotta talk about our two movies that we picked for this episode at the end of last week because you had the two good movies i had the two bad and uh we ended up picking uh my pick that's a bad pick we'll discuss first of double dragon the direct adaptation of a video game and then we'll be talking about your pick brain skin which you chose but also shout out to our patrons patreon.com slash pod ultimately end up picking between that and jumanji welcome to the jungle
1: and uh,
0: it's a very interesting double feature also both uh, releases from 1994
1: yeah which you know obviously you enlightened me to right before we started recording i had no idea
0: yes and i had no idea until i was doing the notes for this episode either i had thought one of these was at least like 97 i thought double dragon was more that way but when you watch you're like oh no this is 94 this is yeah, 100 no, yeah, yeah, yeah. which let's get into that here let's get into
1: double dragon 2007 los angeles the city has changed cops rule the day Punks rule the night. And one man wants to rule them all. There's only one thing he needs to succeed. And look who's got it. It magnifies the power inside you. All right, so where's the on button? If they succeed, they're heroes. But if he does... Their history. Watch your step. <laughs> T2's Robert Patrick, Scott Wolf, Mark DeCostos, okay. and Alyssa Milano. Double Dragon. You said it.
0: <sighs> <laughs> so Double Dragon came out November 4th, 1994. Um, and uh, has some interesting people involved in it. Uh, James Ukrich is the director. He didn't direct any movies before or after this, but he was a big music video director. Most notably, he did a lot of videos for Genesis, including The uh, Land of Confusion, which is one of my favorite music videos.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a great video, for sure. That's that's probably their best video.
0: Probably, yeah. Um, And also, uh, the people... Uh, who have some writing credits the the two big ones for me are like paul dini who is a big person who you would know from like batman the animated series like wrote a lot of those bruce tim uh superman stuff in particular um and then the other guy is peter gold uh, he was a big writer on breaking bad and would go on to co-create uh better call saul he's like the other big writer on that show as well which you can totally tell from this movie all the intense drama that happens
1: so much so much i mean this movie is just a roller coaster ride of emotion
0: yes and is is based on the double dragon video game uh which i vaguely recall playing at certain points because i remember the arcade game standee that you see in the movie where the movie completely breaks its own reality (laughs) and prominently displays a double dragon thing i remember playing that it's very much a traditional side scroller kind of thing from that time it was innovative for the time you're just a couple guys that are fighting alongside the street that like you go all the way to the right and then it loads back up behind you (laughs) then you keep going to the right (laughs) and you beat up guys along the way and then there's like a boss at the end of the road There's like five levels of that.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I I played the shit out of it on Nintendo. Ad nauseum. Uh, The arcade version is notoriously one of the most difficult sort of arcade games ever made. It's so ridiculously hard. But yeah, I, I definitely played it on Nintendo all the time. I loved Double Dragon. You know, you gotta figure though, in 94, I was 11 years old. So this movie was like right up. Like oh double dragon and it's live action and the and, and the T one thousands in it and it's martial arts oh yeah
0: fuck <laughs> <laughs> well and we should also like a big thing you didn't even mention is this is only the second major film based on a video game after the Super Mario Brothers movie was the previous year it was obviously an infamous I... disaster at the time so this was a novelty still
1: and you'd think that they would have learned maybe from the Mario Brothers. To maybe, you know, not just take the simplicity of the game and make it into something so dumb and outrageous. Nope, they didn't learn from that. This movie could have been just bad guy takes one of their girlfriends and the brothers got to go fight through the city to get her back. Could have easily been that and been and been fine.
0: I don't know. Given the rate of film production. I wouldn't be surprised if it was more a case of like, oh, it'll be like, Mario, yeah, it'll work. We're seeing what they're doing. Let's just green light. I'm sure they were like midway through like pre-production or even starting shooting. And then they saw that like, oh, um, Thanksgiving weekend? Don't be it. Let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> uh, now,
1: that's probably a more accurate. Yes. Right.
0: Yeah. Because uh, this is technically based on Double Dragon. It takes place in the distant future of 1997 in New Angeles uh which is a version of los angeles where it's no longer lost but it's new but the newness about it is is a post-apocalyptic wasteland um in which gangs rule the night and cops are still considered heroes and this movie has a really weird conservative bent to it that i was not aware was a thing everyone is uh under the rule of one particular uh villain uh koga um as played by robert patrick
1: Koga Shuko, played by Robert
0: Patrick. <laughs> yep, the, the most appropriate person for that. He is trying to get this magical amulet that it comes in two parts, and we see a village get slaughtered early on, so that he can end up getting at least one half of it. But he's like, I need the second half, and the second half is with these two clearly brothers, Billy and Jimmy Lee, played by Scott Wolfe and Mark Dacascus. They look so similar.
1: So similar. In every single way. And even like they're fighting. It's so just these guys clearly trained and grew up together,
0: right? Because Mark DeCasas in real life was training to be a martial artist since he was age seven and won several tournaments, and uh, Scott Wolf was on Party of Five.
1: That's right. That's
0: right. That's what he did. <laughs> it's so simple. It's just like it's two brothers. They're the the double
1: dragons. Yeah. That's, that's that's the point. That's <laughs> enough. Like I said, they, oh god, dude, a bobo.
0: Yeah, that's, we should definitely talk about, so, um, this is a terrible movie, we both really don't like it, um, but it's because it's what you're talking about, like, a lot of these video game movies tend to do this thing, where it's like, oh, hey, we're gonna get the property and have the very basic thing of, like, hey, let's cast two people to kind of vaguely resemble the main characters on the game box, but, like, that's it, and then they interject a bunch of stuff, like, I don't remember Double Dragon that well, but I don't remember the weird flimsy parody of the warriors that has like all these different people that are after
1: these two. Well, there was a Bobo. Uh, he was just a big bald muscled guy. He didn't, wasn't like, yeah, there were, there were kind of these gangs, but they weren't like this at all. I mean, there was a Bobo, there was lash, you know, there was characters like that, but not, not to this level, not to where, you know, there's postmen, there's a postman gang, and in, and in this type of stuff. Oh, uh, oh, uh, hey, post postal workers are shooting up the their uh, offices. Let's make a funny gang about them.
0: Right, but but, but let's not have also the audacity to go full way with that. So it's like, oh, he's like a suicide now, jumper, but he gets up anyway
1: after yeah. that. Yep, yep, he completely gets up. Uh, yeah, no, this this is literally name only that it's double dragon That that's literally it and like i said a couple of character names like a bobo and lash those those are real characters and Alyssa milano's character her name i think might be the name i forget the character's name that's how fucking shitty this is but i think her character might be the name of one of their girlfriends who gets abducted or whatever marian delario yeah I, I think marianne might be the name i, I don't even remember but Ugh. and let's just sexualize Alyssa Milano the whole movie. Yeah, they do that quite a lot. Oh, nonstop. It's kind of disgusting. They show her from behind and bent over, I swear to God, five times in this movie, and the brothers do the same thing. We're like, I'm going next. No, I'm going next. Oh, don't you even think about it. Eee. Like, ah. And, you know, I just feel so bad for Mark Dacascos. I really do. Yes because you bust your balls to become a martial artist you get a fucking big movie about martial arts and he has a lot
0: of personality as like a performer he would be f- like he's been he's, fun in other things too and even in this i can see him
1: really trying he's better than everybody in the movie
0: Yes, 100%.
1: I mean, and, and that's not to say much. He's not great, but at least he's he's fully committed more than anybody else in the movie is.
0: He has a more committed personality in particular. That's the biggest problem with putting him with Scott Wolf, who even if he couldn't fight, like, okay, if you had some chemistry with the dude as your brother who you look nothing like, like, if we were able to at least go past that and we're like, okay, you are brothers— Scott Wolf is like a vacuous hole of personality. There's nothing to him. Not at all, no.
1: There's, just nothing, there's nothing enjoyable about him. There's nothing charming about him. He's, he comes across like a whiny brat the whole movie. I will give him credit because it is clearly him doing a lot of the fighting. Like, they show it, and it's so wooded and stiff, and it's obviously him with the choreography. So I will give him credit on the fact that it is him doing it but it's also such a stupid decision. You could have filmed this with a fucking stunt fighter so easily. You could have got any fucking random vanilla dude who knows how to fight and have been a passable stunt double. Right, and even
0: also, I will say the the most consistent thing about the movie is I think most of the stunts are pretty competent or even good at points, particularly there's a fight that Mark Dacascas has with the Al Leong uh, henchman character, who, if you yeah. don't know Al Leong, if you've seen any 80s movie where there's a henchman, one of them is Al Leong.
1: Well, and the other one's the other one. <laughs> True. It's both of those guys. Both of those guys have main parts in Big Trouble in Little China as the henchmen. You see them both predominantly in that. I mean, they're both in everything. And their names are Huey and Lewis.
0: Oh, right, no. but particularly the fight that happens between Al Leong and Mark Cassis with the sticks I think is the highlight of the fight choreography in the movie. I think it's generally the most investing fight that happens. I'm like, oh my god, this is so great. But it has to be contrasted with Scott
1: Wolf fighting the other guy. I'm just like, uh... Man, uh Scott so- Wolf just throwing fucking shitty roundhouse punches. Go, Like, you away from me!
0: Well, there's that and also just a lot of, like, the silly antics, like, oh, here's the gumball machine and the guy falls over into the fucking baby oh. carriage.
1: Oh. Oh, Yeah. Look, all I know is I'm so excited for the future of 1997. Yeah. I know that anytime I turn on the news, it's going to be George Hamilton, Vanna White, and Andy Dick at the Weatherman. Yeah. And it's them playing themselves.
0: Also, when Andy Dick says, (laughs) you two are crazy, uh, you should seek some kind of medical help because that man is insane. Oh, you know, he's nuts. Yes. And by the way, before we go too far off of this credit, Jeff Amada is the other
1: guy that you're referring to. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, dude, he's in everything as well.
0: They're both very committed son performers who are trying as much as they can all the way until they are very poorly dubbed at the end of the movie.
1: I don't understand why they're dubbed. I don't get it. Well, yes, I do. Can't have them sound like that. Not in America.
0: Well, no, and also it feels like it's part of this recurring thing where this movie is trying, is like talking down to kids in terms of it feels so much like a, hey, you kids like this kind of movie. With particularly, yeah. they have so much of the aesthetic of, like, early 90s, Nick. Yes. Like, literally, they're, it, when they're in their compound at the end, the moat that's there is just full of slime.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, tell me how fun the uh, the car chase scene was that went on for fucking ever.
0: Yeah, the opening car chase scene takes
1: a while. Oh, um, Honestly, oh, the, the only
0: sort of chase I found to kind of work was the boat chase. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, especially because there's massive explosions.
1: There's massive explosions, and it's actually there. Whereas the car chase scene, half of it takes place on a poorly rendered like video game.
0: We've said this before about certain action movies, but this would work so much better instead of an hour and a half long movie as like a 20-minute stunt spectacular at Universal. Because all the good bits feel like stunt spectacular bits.
1: I don't think I've ever agreed with you more on that than for this movie.
0: Because <laughs> everyone's playing it about as big as one of those fucking stunt spectacular things where like clearly the audio was like coming over a loudspeaker and like, guys, let's go this way. <laughs> like it feels like that.
1: Yeah. Like I said, especially a Bobo. That actor who was a, who was a stunt man, typically. Like you might've seen him in things like the mask or he played Jesse Ventura in the made for TV Jesse Ventura movie or he's been in a bunch of stuff.
0: Uh, Henry Kingy
1: is his name. Yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff, dude. He's never a good actor. He's not, He's just not a good actor. But he's so fucking annoying in this movie. He's so dumb. And I don't know if it... I mean, it's kind of clear it's ADR work whenever oh, he talks. 100%. Because <laughs> it's so loud and aggressive for no reason. And, and just the Obobo suit and costume is so... Sp- stupid, and his thing where he's totally like, I'll catch him, i am a So you're telling me since he transformed, he's never seen himself in the mirror? And then when he does, he's like Brr! and cries. And then all of a sudden, he's a good guy. He's got spinach farts, though.
0: Millennial, so this is the, I'm gonna if He has like so many of the annoying lines that feel, once again, just like, you kids like this, right? You like the Nick? That's what this character yep. is. He's like sort of uh, that Nick orange logo from the early 90s,
1: embodied. Yep.
0: For all the annoying factors of it.
1: He's like the fucking annoying frog. That (laughs) that awful fucking... (laughs) At least he's not auto-tuned. That's true. I mean, he basically is, though. Well, imagine Um,
0: if he was auto-tuned and singing all of his lines. That would make it an extra layer of terrible.
1: Oh, God. It's like Post Malone. Um, uh, (laughs) I'm still not mad at... The way they did the Robert Patrick effects, especially for 94, mm-hmm. when he turns into a shadow and moves around and stuff, like half of it's animated, half of it's CG. It still looks kind of cool. I wasn't even mad at the character design when he split into the two with swords. I'm like, oh, okay, this fits for this movie and this universe and stuff, And but they do nothing with it. And then when Mark DeCasco body jumps into him, oh, I literally like let out an audible groan every time because I'm like, oh no, Robert Patrick.
0: Yeah, we should mention, this is Robert Patrick very hot off of Terminator 2.
1: I think this was his first,
0: like, his next big thing. I think this is the first thing he shot post-T2. And it feels like it because he has, like, the confidence of that. But also, um, I think that confidence really works against him in this particular case where he's going uh, hammy, but in a way that feels like there's not a lot of effort. Into it, he's just like, oh, I don't care what. It's a kid's movie. I don't give a
1: shit. Yeah, pretty much. The reason behind it is, oh, he likes martial arts movies. Did he read the fucking script? Because then he would have known he's not making a martial arts movie. This is in no way a martial arts movie, by the way. No, like in it's, no
0: way. It's much more of like a dystopian fantasy
1: movie. Yeah, and these fucking costumes they put him in at the end. These red and blue sort of karate geese with gold fucking like gemstones all over them it's the dumbest looking shit
0: it's the rhinestone cowboy cosplay of the double outfits pretty much yeah um there's also the weird thing i kind of mentioned this earlier the weird really conservative bent this movie has about like the one-dimensional thugs and also the cop characters with like um, melissa milano's dad just like i'm a good cop i'm not gonna be susceptible to your dirty bribes i'm not doing that but also fuck you and our curfew against all of you is legit watching it in 2021 is very interesting with particularly that bit about the curfew
1: i i agree and i really love i really love the i'm not taking your money no matter what your dirty money at the end yeah yeah i'll take it that's cool you know what i mean he, give him a check for 25 million dollars She's like all right sweet like, this is, fuck <laughs> like, yeah, man. All right. well, well, good looking out, bro. It's, uh, it, yeah, it's so dumb. And then the, the whole rousing speech that he tries to have with his other officers, where he's like, we're going after, that's an order. And none of them do, so he's like, all right, I'll do it myself. <laughs> and of course they all show up anyways. And you're like, this is so fucking stupid. And everybody's so stoked to see the cops at the end. The police are here! Where uh, nah, Duh. Nah. And, and, and they totally support, like, those
0: fucking cops anyway. The movie doesn't really punish them at all. They're just like, oh, they're the good guys. Oh, no, at all. We didn't mention that Billy and Jimmy have uh, a female guardian of
1: some sort. Yes, yeah, Sator- Satori, which yeah. they never explain. All they explain is that their parents died and she took care of them. That's yeah. all you know. Uh,
0: Julia Nixa, who, um who is sort of just introduced, like, hey, let me give you some exposition, and then I'm going to die. And it's the one yep. uh, sort of female character who isn't totally objectified like Alyssa Milano is.
1: Yeah, but but yet she is in a way, because it's clearly implied that her and Robert Patrick used to bang.
0: Right, there's that element of it, that it's, it's less objectification and more of just like, oh, of course you have this connection
1: with the the villain yep. character. Yep, and this is how we're going to tie it in. Not to where, you know, he could have been you know, friends with their parents or something like that. Nah, he was banging her now. It's so dumb and it's so lazy and it's so sloppy in almost every way, especially as far as from a script to a um, realization standpoint. Look, we've talked about definitions of cash grabs on this show and clearly like they, they were just wanted the money. This is a prime example of that. They're hoping that enough people give that much of a shit about Double Dragon that this is going to be a huge runaway success.
0: And uh, they didn't, because it, it made, well, um, for its $7.8 million budget, made $4.2 million on the box office. So this was the, the beginning of the pretty bad trend of these video game movies being very over and not that successful.
1: The, the licensed soundtrack is so aggressive and annoying, yes. especially in the opening car chase scene, where it's the same fucking lyrics, whatever the guy is saying, and he's saying it over and over and over ad nauseum rapidly fast over like a hardcore fucking like techno rock beat and it's so bad and then you just have a bobo and the guy who's with him laughing aggressively loud for five minutes
0: yeah there's a lot of just like it's filling the void with noise i guess i'm gonna ask before we get into final thoughts adam given your vitriol for it would you say it's the worst video game movie ever made
1: oh No, I I would put any Ubi Bowl movie up against this one and call it worse. Yes. I really would. This is at least so bad on a level that I want to talk about it. Ubi Bowl movies, I really don't, I have nothing to say about them.
0: Or even like the last time we did one of these episodes, we covered Street Fighter The Legend of Chun-Li as our alternate choice, which is a movie that's completely evaporated from memory. Aside from like, maybe the Chris Klein stuff lives in my head rent free. Everything else I cannot remember at all.
1: Yeah, no, so I wouldn't say this is the worst. I, I definitely don't. I mean, and that's saying a lot, because it's really fucking bad.
0: I would say it, it's around, like, a bottom ten, I would definitely say. It's in there. Uh, Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Because there's nothing else, because, like, I think it's some of the stuff, the few positive things I've mentioned feel kind of wasted. Like, even we didn't mention much about New Angeles. I really actually dig the matte paintings in this movie, and how they kind of, like elaborate on New Angeles and how it's, like, been destroyed. I think that stuff looks kind of fun, but it's once again in service of this world that doesn't even feel that developed. The mad paintings are, like, doing the heavy lifting.
1: Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's fair. And yeah, they do look pretty legit. They're not bad. I mean, they're clearly mad paintings, but they st- they're pretty good. Yeah,
0: but I would say if you want a better dystopian mid-90s
1: movie, watch A Waterworld. Which is saying a fucking lot.
0: I don't know. A Waterworld, I think, is kind of fun. I'm not mad at Waterworld. No, that, 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 would, that would be a guilty pleasure. We should talk about on the show at some point, because there's a lot of fun things about *Waterworld*. Um, another movie that was adapted better into a stunt spectacular show that's still running to this day in Hollywood. That is still running? I know, that's the weird thing. More people know oh, it, I think, yeah. as the stunt show. It's a pretty fun
1: stunt show, if you've ever seen it. It's dope. I don't think I did. Last time I was out there, it was the Indiana Jones stunt show. Well, that, uh, so that, that would one.
0: be over at uh, Disney Hollywood Studios, not at Universal.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. That's So that's the only one I think I've ever seen. So,
0: <laughs> uh, To circle back to Double Dragon, how about final thoughts? Final uh,
1: thoughts on Double Dragon. I mean, what more can we really say? It's, it's garbage. It's populated by just really stupid decisions, bad acting, horrible action choreography, no martial arts, basically. And just everybody's on just such a weird level. And I'd argue nobody's on the same level out of any of the performances. It, it's just, it's disjointed shit that, uh, you know, plays to the lowest denominator of, you know, Hey, we got this name. You'll see it because you recognize the name. Uh, we don't care about the content. We just care about the money. And that's exactly what this movie is. And it's garbage.
0: Yeah. Um, I would agree. Those things mentioned here. Um, I, I, only, I picked it mainly honestly, because, I thought it was the most adjacent thing we could do to Super Mario Bros., which I wanted to do so badly. You have no idea how much I wanted to talk about on the show, but weirdly, it's not streaming anywhere. Like, you can't even rent it digitally. That's probably the best. You have to get a physical copy, but I would argue that as bad as Super Mario Bros. is, I find it more fascinating for all the things we're talking about. Like, weird dystopian future, very bizarre garish set design, Pretty poor casting. All that stuff is more interesting, at least to watch, in Super Mario Brothers than it is in this, which is much more disposable, much more um, objectifying that we mentioned. We even talked much about some of the racism in the movie as well. Just oh, yeah. like the most, f- the flagrant, just like, oh, we're just using like all this different like Asian mysticism stuff to really en- entice all of you into like, oh, it's like Double Dragon. Um, It doesn't work really that well. There's a few interesting fight bits. I like some of the mad paintings. Mark Dacascus God help him. That poor young man is trying <laughs> to make any of this work. But the movie, even, like, the moment I officially knew, like, oh, there's no nothing for this movie, is during the third act, there's a solid portion where Mark Dacascus is off-screen, and we're focusing on Scott Wolf. That is really where you know this movie's completely gone down the toilet. Just like, you, you, you why do you not have the other guy on screen who's more charismatic and, more importantly, knows martial arts way better <laughs> than this fucker? <laughs> Why are we looking at his dumb face? I'd rather be looking at Jeremy London's face.
1: Ooh. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of the same guy, but yeah, I get they're, it. <laughs> they're
0: kind of the same. That's true. It's a different blocks of wood. I'm just like, hmm, I like this shade of this oak better <laughs> than this one yeah, in particular. True. And I think, you know what? If you want a better Double Dragon movie, even though this movie predates Double Dragon and definitely inspired Final Fight, which was sort of a Double Dragon uh, adjacent, Type fighting game. Watch Streets of Fire.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: Streets of Fire is like an interesting, like it pretty much inspired all side scrolling, like beat-em-up games. If you watch it, it has a lot yep. of those vibes. and It's very great. I love that movie. Uh, But, we've got a whole other movie to talk about that has its own interesting qualities. But first, uh, here's a promo for an ESO show you can queue up right after ours. What is the Soul Forge podcast? Join Sean and his guests as they talk about sex, geekiness, witchcraft, Star Trek, awkward dates, poetry, life, the universe, and everything else. Interviews have included writers, atheists, a rap star from Australia, a reality TV star, and a sex goddess from San Diego. If you have a story to share or just want to listen to one, check out The Soul Forge Podcast. The Soul Forge. Let's find out together. All right, and let's get into Brainskin. Please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Trickster.
1: Michael's seen it.
0: Go for it, man.
1: Done it. Played it. Look, I've played them all. And just when he thought he'd die of boredom...
0: Brain scan. The ultimate experience
1: in interactive terror. Never leave home without it. (laughs) You must think like a killer. Cover up any clues. Leave no witnesses, no evidence. A challenge he can't resist. It was so real. A game he can't escape.
0: There was a grisly murder in the quiet suburban town of Mountview today.
1: So you did it.
0: What was on that disc?
1: It's not a game anymore. Hamilton and Hayden. It's real. It wasn't supposed to be real! Real, unreal, what's the difference? Edward Furlong. Frank Langella. And introducing T. Rider Smith as the trickster. Brain scan wait to see what you do next
0: so brain scan also came out in 1994 a bit earlier april 22nd 1994 from director john flynn um also notable the first screenwriting credit for andrew kevin walker who the next year would make his big splash with seven
1: jesus that was seven was only a year after this i know <laughs> <laughs>
0: Similar vibes, clearly, uh, with all the the various murders that happened in this movie. And you know what, Adam? This was your pick, and I want you to tell people a bit more about Brainscan, because this one's definitely the more obscure choice, to the point where I wasn't even aware this was a movie when you picked it as one of the options for the Patreon poll. So why don't you tell people a bit about Brainscan, and lead then to your initial thoughts on it.
1: Brainscan basically follows this kid. He's a loner kid. He's the president of the horror club at school where they watch horror movies he's really into you know fangoria and all these graphic horror movies he's got one best friend uh you know he he lives with his dad because his mom passed away and his dad's never home so he's got this sweet ass house with all this impossible technology especially for 1994 to himself and uh his buddy calls him one night and tells him there's this brand new interactive horror video game that's supposed to be you know, the best, scariest thing you could ever possibly get. So he gets it, and uh, basically um, it causes him to commit murders, and each disc he plays, he has to go back and cover up evidence or kill somebody else. And uh, the whole time there's this character, very Freddy Krueger-type character called the Trickster, who's sort of guiding him through all these things. And there's also a bit of stalker shit with the girl next door and Frank Langella's in it for some reason. Um, and that's basically the gist of it. It's just a, you know, early 90s to close to mid 90s sort of one-off horror movie. You can tell they're trying to capitalize sort of on the video game craze at the time as well as new special effects that exist out there. That being said, when I first saw it, I hate Edward Furlong. I hated him then. I still don't like him. I I think he's one of the, I don't want to say worst child actors because he was a kid when he did Terminator. But he's just, I I just can't stand him. I can't stand his whiny voice. I can't, just something about him. I've never really liked him and I didn't like him in this either. But I was really sort of into the movie because it gets really dark. It, It goes in kind of crazy directions that aren't expected. Uh, The trickster's super fun. It does have a twist. There is a twist to it, too, that when I first saw this, I did not expect. Um, So, I mean, that's why I picked it. It, It's definitely a nostalgia pick for me. Um, It's one of those movies that anytime it's on, I'll watch it.
0: Well, um, one, it took me until you literally said Edward Furlong's name to realize we had two T2 vehicles for this episode. Oh, my God.
1: Holy shit. From the same
0: year. <laughs> From the same year. Very interesting. And yeah, uh I hadn't seen it before. And I find it fascinating as a time capsule. And I think there are points where I was really engaged with what it was doing. Um, I do agree, I think Edward Furlong's a huge problem. Um I I liked him in T two, but he's not necessarily my favorite actor. I haven't seen a lot of the stuff he's even been in, because I haven't even seen American History X, which I know is his other good movie, from, from what I've heard, honestly. Um, and with uh, with this, I think he just, like, sucks so much of the potential, either pathos or intriguing, like, creepiness of the the character. Um, he, he's just, like, he's so kind of limp. And every time he has any interactions with some of people, including what took me out of the movie immediately, uh, Jamie Marsh plays his best buddy, teenager friend, and that dude is was literally twenty
1: seven, and he looks it. See, I don't, th- I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't think he looks twenty seven. To be honest, I was kind of surprised when I read the notes. Like that dude was twenty seven. Uh, I did not see it that way.
0: That dude has so many miles, especially in any scene where he's interacting with Edward Furlong. I joked That's earlier about, like, oh, hey, he's um, got, like, bags under his eyes but Edward Furlong. He's a very tired teenager. Jamie Marsh looks so much just like, hey, why don't you stay away from this 15-year-old kid? You're, like, clearly 12 years his senior. I did not believe for a fucking single second that dude was not over-drinking age, <laughs> at least. <laughs> That's fair. But, but yeah, I just I don't believe any of the chemistry he has with other people around him. And I think a lot of these other characters are even kind of flat. Like, not even just Jamie Marsh, but also his love interest. I was so, like, weirded out by this whole thing where, okay, are we supposed to be kind of on this weird fence about, like, is he a killer? What's he doing here with, like, the girl next door? Um, as played by uh, Amy Hargreaves. When we get to later on and you find out, oh, no, it was fine because she was also stalking him from across the fucking way. And... It's a weird thing where I kept going hot and cold on it because I'm like, oh, okay, this is kind of fascinating. Oh, it's creepy. Oh, wait, she also is spying. That's really weird. But also, oh, this turns out being his fantasy kind of thing. Oh, my God, that could work. And then by the end of the movie, there's like a hopeful note of like, oh, no, we're stalking each other. We might get together.
1: Yeah, they love each other. They're friends.
0: Weird twists and turns there. Um, honestly, the only sort of engaging element I found as a character was I agree with you, the trickster, despite being a very clear Freddy ripoff, is so much fun. Shout out to T. Ryder Smith, who isn't who's mostly a stage actor, I found out, because I he hasn't done that many movies. The only thing I kind of weirdly know him from is he's a voice on Venture Brothers a lot. He's like the voice of the Baron Underbite, the dude with the metal jaw. Um yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and also there's like a weird Justice League style parody thing and there's a fish man. <laughs> And he's also that voice. Um, He's a very theatrical, fun actor, which I think works because I I watched a clip of him talking about playing the trickster where he has like contact lenses and also so much heavy face makeup that it felt like he was sort of doing like a Greek mask kind of performance. And I think that works so well for him where he's going over the top in a way that doesn't like when you watch it's just like, oh, he's just raising his eyebrow a bit in a way that's kind of cocking it kind of fun. When in reality, under that mask, he is like putting his eyes as far up as he possibly can under the makeup. Um, I think that balances out to a really fun, admittedly Freddy ripoff, but still a really in- entertaining one. Whenever he just like whatever he does with his hands, in particular his long ass fingernails yeah. and stuff, he like relishes in it in a really
1: fun way. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think he's actually pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, no, he's he's clearly the MVP of the movie. I gotta be honest though, even though he clearly doesn't give a shit. But of all the human actors in the movie, Franklin Langella is still the best.
0: Well, Franklin Langella honestly ended up working better for me with the twist. There are certain things where, like, the twist you talk about either increases yeah. some things for me in my respect for them or totally decreases it. Like, that works so well for him. Because the whole movie, you're wondering, why is he so, like, kind of plain? Why is he just kind of, like, barely emoting? It's like, oh, he's an NPC. Not in the weird, creepy, red pill way on the internet, but the literally a non-player character who keeps like showing up. It's just like, hey, what are you doing here? Like if he was just moving and it's still in place, like it would almost work even better for him. (laughs)
1: like Um, walking into a wall when he's trying to leave and stuff. Yes. Get caught up on the wall.
0: (laughs) Because he has a lot of those features to him. And I think that works in an intimidating way, even especially as he starts investigating what's going on, like near the end as well. I thought that like really made him a bit creepier as things kept going. And honestly, like all the stuff I like about this movie is more just on a interesting, like sort of mechanical level with like what the story's doing. Like even the virtual reality thing, pretty inventive for the time. And also really works, especially a lot of the POV camera stuff of you experiencing the game with edward furlong i think really works it's pretty immersive
1: yeah no i completely agree and it's it's kind of disturbing yeah like the the pov stuff they show is pretty fucked up like the way he kills the first guy and you know hacks his foot off and all that shit you're like this is fucked up
0: i wish they used a better foot prop though because that that looked straight out like a halloween spirit store
1: And why would that guy have that one tattoo on the top of his foot? Just so you'd be like, oh, that's definitely the same foot. It could have just been any foot. You would have got it. You know what I mean?
0: But just him, like, Edward Furlong going into that dude's house and grabbing the knife. It feels like it's kind of the evolution of the Halloween 2 shot, I believe, of him picking up the knife.
1: Michael Myers. Like coming into yeah. the house, stuff like that. No, I definitely agree. And of course, he's, you know, got black gloves on, so it's very giallo and yes. and things like that. Like, they clearly were throwing their their influences right out there. Uh, but
0: also adapting them into a new art form where, like we said, video games were yeah. relatively new at this time. And I think developing them into, oh, what if you were experiencing this killer POV? Done plenty of times other video games at this point. But for sure,
1: 1994,
0: sure. groundbreaking.
1: I still stand by that this movie could have could be more sort of well-remembered and even loved if it wasn't for Edward fucking Furlong.
0: The director even agrees with you. John Flynn literally said, Eddie Furlong was a 15-year-old kid who couldn't act. I don't want to get into knocking people, but I was not a big fan of his.
1: Yeah, it's just he 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 sort of tanks the, his own movie right on screen. I don't know, man. There's some of his line delivery still just annoys me and even makes me laugh to this day. Like, his name's Michael Brower, right? Michael Browser?
0: Brower, yeah, it's
1: Brower. Yeah. I'm Michael Brower, I'm 16, and I'm scared for my life. (laughs) Oh, stop it. (laughs) I don't know if I'm the killer, but if this is it, then this is my confession. Like, okay. All right. (laughs) Like, it's just, yeah, he's so just, ah, he's a wet blanket. Like there's nothing to him, and he's just annoying.
0: You it makes you respect younger DiCaprio performances a lot more when you watch. him.
1: hundred percent.
0: Yeah, because like when you watch like him, I, he feels like what they're trying to put him in the slot they tried to put him in around this point in the '90s was, oh, let's make him like a DiCaprio pretty boy, but the bad boy version of it. Uh-huh. Um, which and he's even got like the plans. the loner, the, loner, the rebel, the the guy who likes *Fangoria*,
1: and he has you know horror movie posters all over his room which i don't know any horror fan who's a fan of every single one of those movies he has up on his wall like he's got a very like a de- eclectic horror taste <laughs> to say the least like, good for him i guess
0: what I really like is sort of the escalation that happens with this movie for like the game discs how it becomes more and more almost like an addiction in a way admittingly but also both these movies have a weird conservative bent to them that kind of feels like it's at this age once again that unfortunately it hasn't technically passed it's just like oh let's blame violent video games for like yeah. uh, and, movies. and movies for like horror movies for kids stuff this is a very pro um, like the parent advisory sticker and just like really blaming all that kind of shit For these characters, Uh, but at the same time, I like the temptation that builds with the Trickster character in particular, as he's really trying like, oh, we gotta play this next next disc. I I really like how that
1: builds in particular. Like, all the structural stuff, I think, really works about the movie. That's why I said if there's any other actor, it's torture. Like, he's basically torturing this kid, like whether or not you want to do it, you have to, you know, I'm right here with you. And he's gaslighting him the whole time and stuff. And it's just, it's terrifying.
0: Especially the bit where he slits his hand and then that blood becomes the disc.
1: Becomes the disc. Right. That's a really
0: dope. Or, moment. You know,
1: yeah. Or Michael breaks the disc and then, you know, he's like, I, I already destroyed it. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get some milk. And trickster's like, no, you didn't. He's got it spinning on his finger. Like it's, it's, fucking dope like don't matter what you can do you're not going to get away from this there's such a great skeleton to this movie and i'd say a little bit of meat on the bones
0: tonally i'm not sure what kind of horror movie this is trying to be it's too silly to be an outright slasher horror movie but it's also too like gory and fucked up to be like a horror comedy it doesn't know really what it wants to be
1: i agree and i think one of the biggest sort of problems with that you know, where you come awake, sort of tonally shocked to it, like, what is this, is the final scene. Yes. Where he gives the game to the principal, and all of a sudden there's Trickster for real, and he can see him. Like, wait a minute. This means nothing. Like, it doesn't make literally a lick of sense.
0: Whether it does, like, the, the logic of the story, or also even just the weird morality of the movie, where technically, even though, like, we're right. punishing the principal, he is spouting, like, the rhetoric that basically the movie agrees with. Of just like, oh, you, you fuck violent video games, fuck violent movies. Edward Furlong destroys his room after he wakes up just just like, oh my god, it was all simulation. I gotta stay the fuck away from all this shit so I don't end up murdering people and all this other bullshit. Right. It just, it feels like it, it's so um, scattershot with what it's going for on that, on like a logic level or a sort of thematic level. To the point where this is a key example of a movie that I think, well, I agree with you, the skeletal structure works so well. Remake this movie.
1: Yes, dude, a thousand percent, especially with modern-day technology and everything, too. It would work perfectly.
0: And even, like, the upgrade of video games would be interesting, where at this point now, you have, like, so many, like, online games or even, like, especially, like, the PlayStation Store where you can just download as much games as possible. You can, I think, make this into, like, a, oh, it's almost like instead of just one video game, it's an entire, like, video game system and network that can easily, like, interact with your home. That would work perfectly. Don't do, like, Stay Alive. Like, that's the bad version of that. Oh, God. (laughs)
1: Ooh. Or, uh, fuck Miserable World.
0: I think you could get, like, a Blumhouse-style interesting twist on this movie now. That would work really
1: well. I completely agree. This is definitely one that I think is ripe for a remake unfortunately with most remakes it's going to go either way it's either going to be really awesome or kind of shitty but i i i think there's enough potential already with sort of what we have to where if they just expanded upon it and sort of course corrected some of it that it could be something really cool really fun i don't think it'd be necessarily like that was such an awesome movie but i think you could have a really fun movie here
0: and you could even have somebody play a trickster type character i think would could become like sure. a, a newer horror icon I, I i want doug jones trickster
1: now i do too and i never thought i did but yeah. yes i agree
0: and imagine what he could do express inside that makeup the t Rider smith was just too restricted by the constraints of the time <laughs> now
1: imagine right lord <laughs> like i said I am in full and I guess we could just make this my final thoughts, okay. but I'm in full recognition that this is not a good movie. I think it's a perfectly fine movie. I think it's incredibly flawed, but I still think it's entertaining. I still think there's enough here to sort of be entertained by it. And also the factor of like, what could this have been or what could this be if they redid it um, for that alone? I, I, I I still got a soft spot for this movie, much like I had with like even Man's Best Friend. I think this is a better movie with man than Man's Best Friend. Mm -hmm. But this is definitely on that level with me where it's these 90s horror movies that I saw God only knows where. And they've sort of stuck with me. And this is definitely right up there with those.
0: Yeah, and I would say I didn't hate this movie necessarily. I found it fascinating. It's definitely the better movie of our double feature for sure. Um, but at the same time I, I keep seeing the restrictions that are kind of around it because of the time, because of the main actor, because of a lot of things, to where it's it's definitely um, it's an entertaining watch. I would say ri- watch it for T. Ryder Smith. Nothing else in his performance, I think, yeah. is so like electric and fun even when stuff when he actually interacts with the video game environment we didn't talk that much but the bit where he's on the tv screen he's like scratching it um and it looks like very pixelated like 90s era like sega cd effects i think is like works tremendously it has such interesting skeletal structure that i agree i think it's a movie like any movie you should remake full of plenty of good ideas just not the best execution possible that would make it right for a modern Version that you can especially get a lot of modern video game uh, sort of ter- terminology and interesting uh, thematic stuff to add to it. Um, but as I say, it still is entertaining for what it is as like, it's a very uneven movie in a way where I'm watching it constantly. And it's like I said, especially all the revelations about the twist really just make me go back and forth about certain elements I think really work and stuff I think doesn't. And the other thing is, I can see why Andrew Kevin Walker kind of became the screenwriter he ended up being, which is like, oh, these kind of gimmicky thrillers ended up ultimately um, being, you know, done by someone better. Like, I don't know, (laughs) David Fincher's brain scan would be a lot different, clearly. Uh, (laughs) um, But I I can see a bit of, like, his uh, early writing chops in here, even. But, yeah, it definitely feels like it's a movie that um, it's a time capsule with interesting reason, and it's also, despite being a gory horror movie, a conservative politician's wet dream. Yeah, like, this is not what the did. this is what these things do to your kids. Blame them, not anything we've done, and any of the stupid things we put into
1: law. <sighs> right, right.
0: But that's the end of our discussion of our two movies for this week. And uh, we have some, uh, you know, stuff to do before we do our picking for next week. Stay tuned to the very end of the show for that. But first, we have stuff like our feedback to read, because every um, Monday at Pod, Facebook, and Twitter, we ask you all about, like, hey, what are your favorite and least favorite movies related to uh, whatever topic that we're doing? And so, you all contributed, like James Rodriguez, who says, uh, Best, Crank and Crank 2, High Voltage, uh, Manic Fun, Ace Attorney, who would have thought that a Phoenix Wright film from the director of Audition would work so well? Rampage, a lot of fun. Worst Pixels, starring President Kevin James, House of the Dead, Uwe Boll, Tush, and uh, Need for Speed, Dull. Uh, Shaquille Lambert says, uh, Best, The Crank Movies, Edge of Tomorrow, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, Detective Pikachu, Silent Hill, and Final Fantasy VI Advent Children. Worst, Sucker Punch, Pixels, and literally every other American live-action adaptation of a video game. Christian Alvarez says, Video games have had a huge influence on pop culture, including movies, uh, whether through inspiration or adaptation. Some bad examples are Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Double Dragon, and Assassin's Creed. The worst two in recent memory being uh, Pixels and Ready Player One, both cashing on 80s nostalgia value, with nothing more than Friedberg's Seltzer quality. Oh, hey, I remember that references uh hopefully there will be more interesting efforts in the future uh, the best video game inspired movies would be mortal kombat silent hill and detective pikachu some guilty pleasure movies would include 1994's street fighter for Raul julius oh. hamminess uh, super mario brothers as a silly gritty adaptation and the wizard as stand by me meets mac and me for nintendo um, brendan foley says uh 10 cloverfield lane and edge of tomorrow Uh, Brian the Fuzzy, who on Twitter, at Brian the Fuzzy, in parentheses, says to hell with 2020, Black Lives Still Matter, uh, says Edge of Tomorrow and Scott Pilgrim are both faves. And then Ryan Quarterman, our buddy, says
1: Hardcore Henry. Okay, first of all, 10 Cloverfield Lane kind of surprised me. I never would have thought of that as a video game adaptation, to be honest.
0: I didn't either until I thought about it, but it makes sense for especially like sort of like stealth games, like all the stuff with uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead in the air vents has a lot of sort of like almost Tom Clancy video game quality to it.
1: Yeah, that's still a stretch for me on that one. I mean, th- thanks for the feedback.
0: I will say there's a bit of a telltale game element to it. She says certain things and it's like, John Goodman will remember
1: this, and oh boy, will he remember and you won't like it when he does. Yeah, that I could see for sure. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow, kind of, I mean, I get it. That 100% is. Said. That 100% is. It good. still doesn't, doesn't for me. I don't know. I never would have thought of that the one. Whole,
0: the whole objective of the movie is that he keeps learning and dying how now, to accomplish I understand.
1: the level. I just, I would have never thought of that for some reason.
0: That was my first thought when I saw the trailer was that its very video game. inspired?
1: And I forgot, you know, we were talking about him earlier, but yeah, I, I definitely throw Silent Hill up there as one of the better ones. I still think the first Silent Hill is a, a pretty pretty damn good movie. I, I really actually enjoy it uh, for aesthetics. And uh, creature design and physical, practical effects uh, on a, alone, I think it's, it's pretty fucking fascinating.
0: You know, I would say in terms of um, some of the ones that we even mentioned, like Hardcore Henry is one where I think that's another great example of sort of the aesthetic thing. I think it create, recreates perfectly. It's just that you realize, oh, after a while, this gimmick gets kind of boring.
1: I agree. I still think it's entertaining. I still think it's fun. But after a while, I agree. You're like, okay like
0: all right uh, um, i i
1: definitely
0: agree. credit to Cheryl copley though for being a perfect like sort of tutorial character he so awesome he's very yeah, fun he that's one of the few times post-district now he's actually been cast quite well <laughs> in the movie yeah, honestly you, um
1: and i'm bob excited
0: also that director i know is doing uh, just put out on uh, nobody the bob odenkirk
1: action movie oh really i didn't realize that was him oh sweet yeah, well, which I'm very curious to say. Makes me even a little more excited for it. A crank 1 and 2, of course. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Particularly I think think Crank that. 2 goes it's full bore with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> crank 2 is a fucking... That Crank 2 is insane. Yes. It is insane. Which is it's saying, awesome.
0: even the first Crank is also insane, but Crank 2 puts up oh, in the high voltage as an appropriate subtitle.
1: Uh-huh. Absolutely. I love those movies. They're so fun.
0: And I would say in terms of even some of, like, the video game-inspired ones, like, I'm surprised no one mentioned Overlord, which I think is an underrated example of that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, that's very Wolfenstein-inspired, for sure.
0: And I think really it's it's Uh, a lot of fun. Um, Also, there's a couple things. This is obviously not movies, technically, but I kind of consider these individual episodes movies. With uh, Black Mirror, because I think a lot of good ones of those, particularly, like, the USS Callister, the Star Trek parody one. Yes, I agree. I think it's a, a really great satiric take on video game culture and stuff, but also even playtests, which was also done by the guy who uh, directed uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, Dan Trachtenberg.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised nobody mentioned Doom or the second Doom movie.
0: In terms of bad ones?
1: Yeah, good fucking god. Although Doom, the first Doom, does have that quick five-minute first-person shooter scene that is still pretty dope but you could have yeah. do a whole movie on that. No fucking way. No.
0: But, I, and you know what, Even with like adaptations, I will say someone mentions uh, Assassin's Creed. I would say that is a bad one, but I find that one more fascinating because I think it has a larger story and context it's going for. It just doesn't accomplish it very well because the movie is basically about kind of like, oh, you're being sucked into like a video game too much. Right. And it's like the Assassin's Creed aesthetic to kind of, like represent that, it just has the problem of like it has way
1: too much exposition about the apple and whatever the fuck. And that movie has a pretty damn good cast too. Yeah, and the effect, the effects are decent. It's just boring. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately, it's just a boring movie, and it really shouldn't be. Also, you know, did the Resident Evil franchise. Goosh.
0: I, I would say there's a fair share of those. At least that I would find fun. One. I would I would argue no. I would argue three, four, and five are quite fun for what they are.
1: Oh man, I I'll give you three. Oh, I don't know. I'll give you three and four. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, five is pretty fun too.
0: Yeah, I think that's those three are fun. The other three are really terrible.
1: <laughs> really terrible. Really, really. Actually, ah, uh, one. There's seven of them
0: um well because there was uh
1: chapter seven is that only number six i
0: believe it's number
1: six yeah okay uh yeah the second one's terrible the last one is atrocious the first one i don't hate i think it's bad but i still think it's more watchable than you know fucking two or six it's not the worst one yeah
0: i would say the last one in particular was the worst one can't even fucking see anything.
1: You can't even see what the fuck is happening.
0: Nope, not very well. Oh, um and you know, even in terms of like the inspired things also, we we've a movie we've talked about on the show, Serenity. A movie weirdly that's structurally very <laughs> similar to Brainscan. <laughs> the more I think about
1: it. Oh fuck god that movie. Woof. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Yoosh. I completely forgot that was even a thing until you just mentioned it.
0: <laughs> then it came flooding back, though,
1: right? Oh, instantly, all of it, and it is something else. You know, that's one thing. It's a terrible movie, but I get—I I, got to give him credit for just fucking going with that. Like, we're just gonna make this crazy shit and get the, all these big actors in it. Okay, it was a—it was an interesting experiment
0: to say the least yeah and even you know what i i would also say there's other adaptations that i like i would want to like more but definitely feel like the kind of screwed over like particularly warcraft i think is a movie that has a <sighs> lot of interesting elements that yeah, i think I it, it, it clearly was like a three-hour movie that got very chopped down
1: <laughs> yeah for sure for sure because even <laughs> with what we got left I still think it's entertaining enough. I don't the, think it's good. But the I orc stuff
0: on. in particular is, the, the yeah. effects hold up very well, and the like performances like the motion catch, like Toby Kebbell is the main one. Yeah. I think it's
1: phenomenal in that movie.
0: It's another one of those, it's kind of like the Monsterverse, where every time we get away from them and get to the humans, it's garbage.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, for sure. And you know, the other ones too, the the, the big three, well I guess you call them the big three, because there's technically three of them, but the Tomb Raider movies. I think the first one is bad but it's still entertaining. There's enough to it. It's kind of an exciting sort of action movie. The second one's garbage and the newest one with Alicia Vikander, it's I really wanted to like it because they do a lot of shit that's straight from the games especially the new games as far as some of the action set pieces and everything and she's pretty good in it and you know it's got Walt Goggin. It's not bad I would not, I'm would. i not going to call it bad, but it's boring and for a tomb raider movie to be boring i mean that's sort of the you know the nail in the coffin
0: i have not seen any of those tomb raider films you're not missing a lot dude
1: that's what i've heard be.
0: hence why i didn't watch any of
1: them <laughs> yeah you're really um,
0: not though you know one that kind of has like similar vibes that came out very recently that's very much video game inspired is why i know we both seen i and the last dragon with a particularly lot of the temple stuff
1: yeah. And that movie it has yeah. a bit uh, Tomb Raider y vibes from the games. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a that's a, I mean, it's impeccably animated. I mean, it, it's amazing to look at. Great voice cast. It's flawed, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. And then obviously we have Uncharted coming out with Tom Holland. I, I don't Nathan know.
0: I, I, I won't believe it until I see a trailer because
1: <laughs> that movie is cursed. Yeah. <laughs> It's so cursed, and the, I just uh, I have. So, – let's put it this way. I'm not going to have any opinion on it until I actually see the movie because I love the games. Right. So it's like I'm sort of going to reserve anything. And then also are we, we're getting a Last of Us TV show Pedro Pascal right. as uh, yeah. Joel.
0: I still have which, a lot of doubts uh, about that working because that could easily go the way of A Walking Dead. But I, I think at the very least, like, there's a bit more of a chance that I could work with the source material.
1: Uh, I, I honestly see it going Walking Dead route as well. I hope not, but I, I kind of do.
0: Well, I hope not in as much as I don't want it to last, like, 55 seasons and have three spinoffs.
1: Oh, it needs to be two seasons. Like, maybe even... Th- okay, I'll give him four seasons. Two seasons per game and then be done. Like, I don't want it to go any further than the lore that's already out there. Like, I, it just, especially if you're focusing solely on those two characters from those two games, like, that's all you need to do, and then be done with it.
0: Yes, be done with it. Much like the feedback section for the show. Thank you all for that feedback. We also want to thank some other people like Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music used for our show. Listen more of his music at chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Emily Scarter for the art for our show. And thanks, of course, to our loyal Patreon subscribers, all of you patrons out there, we, uh, we really appreciate uh, you contributing and helping us out uh, for just $1 a month. And in exchange, we give you some bonus podcasts and the opportunity to vote for various different uh, movies that we uh, either do for the show or topics we do for the show. And uh, as you're listening to this, uh, On the Edge of Relevance uh, has a new episode where we talked about our initial thoughts on Godzilla vs. Kong, which we literally recorded moments before we started recording this. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh literally five minutes before we started this. <laughs> but we ended five minutes before we started this. It's not a five minute episode.
0: No. no this is great. <laughs> we give you more for your dollar than that. <laughs> and we should also mention that a poll will be going up this week for all you Edgelord patrons to vote on for uh the badge was for we're doing an episode about DreamWorks animation. Uh and uh we decided to uh go ahead and have me my bad picks for that particular episode and the picture we'll be choosing between will be uh, Shark Tale, the infamous Will Smith Fish movie, and Shrek the Third, the movie that I would argue kind of started the downturn of the Shrek franchise. Uh, only appropriate, given we're talking about the DreamWorks stuff around the time of the 20th anniversary of Shrek coming out. It's been about that long, guys. That's how long you have been. All-Stars, Breaking the Mold uh but yeah go ahead and uh, you can vote in that poll starting it'll be the day after this episode drops so on wednesday the 7th but yeah th- thank you very much for all your supporters and also uh you can find us on twitter and facebook at dedv pod uh that's where we post the feelers about the uh, you know asking you what your favorite least favorite things whatever topic we do and you can email us uh double h double at gmail.com all spelled out And, uh, you know, if you want to help support us but you can't become a consistent patron monthly, why not uh, just buy a bit of our merchandise over at the TeePublic ESO store. There will be a link in the description where you can buy a mug or um, a tote bag or a t-shirt with our logo on it. Gives us a bit of a kickback.
1: (sighs) Buy our merch. Buy our merch.
0: Music to
1: my ears. Dance puppet.
0: Yes, and uh, for uh, more of my uh, puppeteering, you can uh, find me uh, on Twitter, Instagram, at Lenderbox as at not the Who's Tommy. and I do some writing at uh, MarianiThomas.wordpress.com, and also film-cred. This is the last time I'll plug this particular piece, but I know officially that my Godzilla piece, talking about embracing the weirdness of the character will have been out by this point, and you can read that over at Film Grid.
1: Hey, there you go. And you can find me on uh, Twitter or Instagram at Atom or Adam. It's A-T-O-M underscore O-R underscore A-D-A-M Uh, Twitter is mostly me just sharing my show and, you know, uh, but I'm willing to share other people's stuff. Instagram is a bunch of other silly stuff, but, uh, if you want to find me on there, you want to follow me on either. I'll follow you right back. Why not? Yeah. Go ahead and follow me on there and I'll follow you right back. And, you know, and and I'll keep uh, my little thing brief this week. Uh, but since we're talking about video games, I, I think it's a good way to talk about escapism. Uh, whatever you lean into to sort of get out of your shell, be it films, books, writing, painting, video games, whatever, don't ever, ever, ever let anyone shame you for that. Don't let anyone talk you talk down to you because of it. Don't let anyone call you a nerd or say that, you know, you need to get a real life or whatever, because it is a real life for a lot of people. It's very important to sort of have your outlet to uh, get away from yourself a little bit. So indulge it and embrace it.
0: Yeah, that's uh, very well put.
1: Hey, thanks, man. And Thanks a more,
0: lot. And uh, also, we should probably mention uh, you've been uh, on your Letterbox doing a bit of reviews a bit more as a
1: recent typing, typing. Yeah, yeah. I started with um, fucking Oogie Loves. Hugs. Oh Christ! And now it's kind of like yeah. If I watch a movie and I got a quick little blurb about it. Uh, actually, most movies that I've rated on Letterbox since i've uh done a review and my letterbox name uh is schwanson uh it's s-c-h-w-a-n-d-t-s-o-n i haven't changed it to coincide with my twitter and instagram because i don't pay for a pro subscription and that's the only way you could change your name uh so there you go if you want to find me on letterbox it's schwanson
0: i did that baby synergy (laughs) <laughs> and for more of our antics here, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and other podcasting platforms. If you're listening on the ESO Network, why not dig into all the other great shows on there? And you can also dig into our archives on our Podbean main feed for um, a bunch of episodes even before we joined ESO. And nothing else, if you can't buy a bit of our merch or support us on Patreon monthly for just the dollar, you can uh, be completely free of any charge and uh, support us by. Rating, reviewing, or simply sharing the show around to give us more visibility, get more ears out there on the
1: open. Yeah. Anything you can do, we definitely appreciate it, and we will return the favor for sure.
0: Yes, and now, Adam, it's time to do our picking for next week. Uh, Next week we're doing a topic that we've kind of swam around doing since the start of the show, Um, and I'm very curious and excited for it. We are uh, looking into the large career, not just of a director and writer, but also a producer in the form of George Lucas, who this very year uh, marks 50 years since he started uh, his big film stuff with, uh, just earlier this year was the 50th anniversary of THX 1138.
1: Yeah, man, you know, the thing is as much shit as a lot of people talk about him and I'm even guilty of it, uh, especially when it comes to like the prequel stuff and all that without a doubt, George Lucas is single handedly responsible for Two of my favorite franchises of all time with uh, Star Wars and Indiana Jones, and also for many other memories and things. I mean, there wouldn't be The Mandalorian if it wasn't for George Lucas. There wouldn't be all this new Star Wars stuff if George Lucas hadn't sort of laid the groundwork. I mean, say what you will about him, give him shit, whatever you want to do. Fact of the matter is, the man is an auteur, and he kind of is a genius.
0: He has so many proclivities that are fascinating, but at the same time, he is such a weird, uncharismatic person.
1: <laughs> he's such a blank space when they, when he's ever he's interviewed. Like, he's like watching paint dry. <laughs> for sure, for sure. It's but,
0: so uh, we have, um, you know, we're going to be discussing uh, various George Lucas productions. We included stuff he's produced in this. Uh, I have the two good movies for that. You have the two bad for that. Um, and so you've assigned them between 1 and 10 for your choices, the same for mine. And uh, then uh, the other person will pick the... Uh, a number, and that gets us close to whatever good and bad choice we're going to cover for the show. So, for my two good choices, Adam, I'm between 1 and 10. Okay.
1: Uh, let's go ahead and go number 1. All
0: right. Well, I have at number 3, the movie that I would argue kind of made his career, at least got him to the point where he would get us a Star Wars after that. I have his second directorial feature,
1: American Graffiti. Ooh, fun. I haven't revisited that in a long time. Excellent. I'm super, wow. Good call. Very good call.
0: Yes, especially, it's also the one that feels the most distinctive, like, especially the ones he's directed. It's such a weird, sore thumb, just like, what the fuck? (laughs) How did this get here? Yeah,
1: for sure. What was your other one?
0: At number seven, I had uh, one that wasn't directed by him, but he did produce it for Lucasfilm and did, I believe, some rewriting in there as well. I have the Jim Henson film Labyrinth.
1: Oh, okay. I'm glad we got American Graffiti.
0: (laughs) Not a big Uh, Labyrinth guy?
1: (laughs) I never have been. Never, never have been. I I appreciate it for what it is, but, uh, yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, let's see if I appreciate your bad choice for what it is, As I pick a number between one (coughs) and ten... I am going for number
1: six. Ed, number eight. You have quite possibly one of the craziest movies that also is so problematic nowadays for certain actors and things that happen in it, um, and it's also pre-MCU. You have the George Lucas produced Howard the Duck. <gasps> Howard the Duck? Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. That, that's another oh, one I have so not seen
0: fit. in so long. I'm, I'm very oh, curious so to, to to revisit that one. Um, and also, I believe um, instead of "quite," you should say should have said "quack." Ah, you're right. I apologize. Fit, fit the tone of the choice. But what was your yep. alternative choice that doesn't quack?
1: Uh my alternative choice was also a huge box office turd: the animated Strange Magic.
0: Well, the last movie George Lucas has a credit on.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Before he uh, retired
1: Which off. I've never seen, and I know it's from what I heard, it's a big piece of shit.
0: Um, I have seen, and um, it, it, it is pretty much a big piece of shit. <laughs> it's, <laughs> okay. it's not the, the worst one he's done, but it's definitely, uh, it, it's a weird note to go at on, but kind of appropriate okay. in other ways. For, I believe he sold that as, it's Star Wars for girls.
1: Oh, Right.
0: Wouldn't insult the little girls out there. But that's the end of our discussion here. Until next time, Adam, it's time to uh, turn off the system. Unless it turns you off first.
1: We're on. (laughs)
0: Wow. Good night, everybody. Bye.